John the Viking Mauser here with the Get Strong or Die podcast. Today my guest is Devin Futon. How are you doing today? I'm good. <clears throat> uh, so we have a lot to talk about. Um, the last time you were on the podcast several months ago, <clears throat> um, you were uh, just starting or halfway through, I don't remember, a long string of competitions. And um, you've done about uh, six or seven since then, I think. Um, so uh, let's let's get right into that. I think um, the first competition that you had coming up since the last podcast was the Burden Games. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I did the Burden Games with Kenny Hacker, another Mauser Strength guy. Um, mm-hmm. It was a good learning experience. It was my first crossfit competition we jumped right into the rx division um we had a lot of fun kenny uh muscle snatched 155 31 times and this crossfitters it blew their minds so (laughs) so the burden games is um i think it's the only uh well other than the open but it's the only competition hosted and run by CrossFit Morgantown here in town, and it's a it's a team competition, so it's not a traditional uh, CrossFit um, competition. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they do. It's teams of two, and um, they are uh, same uh, same sex teams, so it's like two guys or, or two women, and um, and then most of the uh, <clears throat> the wads are uh, dependent on on both both players, both people on the team. Is that right? Yeah. Um. <clears throat> So that's pretty cool. And then there was, uh, was it three, three wads is what you did that day? Yeah, there were three. And then um, if you were in the top three, you got to move on to the fourth workout. And then if you're in the top two, you got to move on to the fifth workout. Kenny and I were not in the top three. Uh, we ended up getting last, but we did not place last on every event, which, you know, Kenny's a strongman competitor and I was brand new to CrossFit. So for him to come in and do these 15 minute workouts, and we kind of held her in. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think Kenny may have uh, done some sort of training for like three weeks or two weeks before that. So it wasn't like, um, you know, you guys were going into this thing thinking you were going to blow it out of the water anyway. Um, <clears throat> but that's cool. And and I like I always like those tiered systems. They do that in uh, uh, Strongman, like the Arnold and stuff, where you can uh, you do like however many events and then the top people get to move on. I always thought that was cool. Um, and it, it's a pretty cool system, especially in the team thing, I think. Um, how many, uh, do, if you remember, how many teams were in your division? For the RX division? Yeah. Just, there were five five men's teams in the RX division. <clears throat> and I, I get this a lot too uh, for people that don't, um, yeah, people are very opinionated about CrossFit, but people also, uh, don't know anything about CrossFit, I find. Um, so one of the big things that I hear a lot is, uh, you know, like, well, what are you, what is your weight class? And I, and people are always shocked when I tell them there aren't any weight classes. Um, and there weren't any weight classes in this either, right? No, and that's, that's the thing with CrossFit is there's so many different things you can kind of specialize in that there's no need for weight classes. You know, yeah, you might be really strong and you're good at lifting heavy weight, but then how do you compare on the gymnastics movements right you know or the the conditioning stuff um 
so there's there's things that you can be good at and then there's things that you're not so good at and it all kind of plays out so I don't think the weight necessarily matters yeah I think and um, you know maybe, maybe on the the very top end um, there's probably a certain body type that, that might be uh, you know more beneficial to have but especially on a local level I don't think it matters too too much um, I think if you look at the the top uh, men's division in CrossFit I think the winners are typically around 200 pounds give or take 10 percent but I don't think that matters uh, too much on a local level or even even a regional level for that matter yeah I mean you see people qualify for the games that are heavier than that yeah you'll see heavier and you'll see taller but like you said the majority of them are sitting around five six to five nine and weighing between like 180 and 200 pounds yeah Matt Frazier yeah, yeah, okay. Matt Fraser is a good example, or uh, Miko Salo, or in any of those guys that were <clears throat> in the games. Um, <clears throat> so that was the Burden Games, uh, a, a team event, and then was it a week later? I think you did the uh, 50k. Yeah, so a week after my first CrossFit competition, I went right into doing a trail run 50k, which is a little bit different than a regular 50k. It wasn't on the road. I had close to 6,000 feet of elevation gain. Um, it was out at Cooper's Rock, and my favorite thing about that run was I did not run at all to prepare for it. Um, I had someone tell me, you have to run if you want to run anything over a marathon, and I said, that's not true. And they said, well, why don't you do it? And I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I immediately signed up for the Cooper's Rock 50K. I messaged John Mauser, who is the best programmer in the state possibly the world, and I said, hey, I'm going to run a 50K, which uh, for you guys that aren't good at math, uh, 50K equals 31.25 miles. So it's technically an ultra marathon. It's, yeah, it's an ultra marathon. <clears throat> and I said, Mauser, I don't want to run to prepare for this. Um, you're going to do all my programming. Make it happen. So we did a ton of GHD extensions and – a uh, ton of back extensions or um, glute ham raises. So I conditioned my hamstrings, I conditioned my knees, and I conditioned my hip flexors. And on top of that, I did my other programming stuff. But, you know, I, I, I like to tell people I didn't train for it because I didn't run for it. But realistically, I was putting in anywhere from two to three hours a night to prepare for it. But I did not run a mile to get ready for it. So. Yeah, <clears throat> probably the only running you did was, uh, wasn't there some running at the Burden Games? <laughs> oh, yeah, I had to run uh, like 800 meters at the Burden Games. So, <clears throat> um, so uh, and I deal, <clears throat> I don't get a lot of runners that I, that I train. Um, I, I have some people that have run, <clears throat> um, not that I haven't ever trained, trained runners because I have, but I don't get a lot of them, and um, but I do get people that have like these bucket lists, like I want to do a 5K or a half marathon. Those seem to be the two most popular are half marathons and 5Ks. And, um, but when I do get somebody that's run and they talk about it and they'll say, oh, I want to run again or, or uh, I never want to run again, and usually something that will come up is uh, um, their toenails come off during anything over a 5K usually. Uh, usually around a half marathon, the toenails come off. But then <clears throat> they will have, uh, and these are people that I don't train. These are people that come to me for training, they tell me this stuff, or people that I'm casually talking to, uh, they'll have um, a partial tear in the hamstring during anything over a 5K, um, or they will have tremendous uh, 
knee pain, which, which I usually identify as patellofemoral syndrome, but they don't know that at the time. Um, did, you, did any of these things happen in your uh, 50K experience? No. Um, so I, I didn't lose any toenails. I didn't get any blisters. Um, no chafing. The only thing, I was extremely sore afterwards. Um, the same day or the next day? The same day. Like, so I ran, I ran on a Saturday. Um, I was back to squatting heavy by Wednesday. Uh, so actually I made a list of, of everything I did beforehand. So I, I didn't just go into this blind. I made sure to do some research, see what the right things are to eat during the race, um, the right clothing, all, all that stuff I, I took into account. So I had packed a couple extra pairs of socks, but the, the socks I used, they were some type of synthetic material and I didn't, I didn't blister at all. Mm -hmm. And it was just a constant on the trails. Um, I went to a store called Fleet Feet. It's in Pittsburgh. Physically um, went to the store? Yeah, I went to the store because they actually they have you step on this machine, they scan your foot, they have you walk, and they give you shoes based on that. And it's it's kind of funny because I'm there, and the guy brings out the first couple shoes, and they don't really fit right, but they have a giant pad on them. And I said, you guys have anything else? And he's like, well, we have these shoes, but they don't have a very good pad. And... Uh, you know, you, you need that if you're going to be out running the trails. And I said, I don't, I don't care about that. So, uh, I've done a couple, I've done six Tough Mudders at this point. Every one of those, I just wear the Vibram toe shoes and you just deal with it. That I think that that's another common mistake that people make is they think I need to wear these running shoes. I need to have this giant pad whenever I'm running. And new studies are showing that that's actually worse for you because you end up heel striking and you, you know, you're just destroying your knee. Uh, and possibly the hip. Yeah, so I wore those shoes. I didn't have any issues. Um, I wore a rash guard. So for you guys that don't know, I'm a jiu-jitsu brown belt. Uh, I train at Ground Zero Fighting Systems. And we have a guy there. He actually he makes his own, he makes us rash guards. And he's made Mauser some too. So I wore my Mauser Strength Dynamics rash guard. It's just a tight-fitting, like an Under Armour type of material. Um, no issues with that. Uh, in my pack, I had gummy bears, tape, fuel for fires, which are, um, they had 10 grams of protein, 20 grams of carbs in them, and I would try to eat one of those every hour. By the end of the race, I was just eating handfuls of gummy bears. Um, in my camelback, I had a, uh, I think it was like a two liter camelback. I had electrolytes in my water to start out, and then at every aid station, they had additional electrolytes, so I made sure to constantly keep that in, so... Actually, I never cramped. I never, I never had any issues throughout this whole thing. Um, what kind of tape was it? Just, just real quick. It was just like the simple tape you buy, at like Dunham's or like Walmart. an athletic tape, like a just a white or black athletic tape. Yeah, I just okay. like I used that. To, I don't think I even used it to be honest. I think it was just in my pack. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not a bad idea to have that um, in case you have to. Um, if, if you haven't run tested your clothes, <clears throat> your clothes can get in the way. And that's a lot of the things that cause chafing is bad clothes decisions. And if you have tape, you can um, you can modify your clothes very quickly and easily. So it's not a bad idea to have tape when you're um, in a 50K. A 5K, probably not a big deal. But uh, anything you're going to be at it for more than an hour, <clears throat> you, you might need uh, clothes adjustments. Yeah, it was, it was – I mean, it was hard, but it's it's not the hardest thing out of – I'll tell you what, guys. 
doing Murph this year was harder than the 50K. Oh, Do, yeah. Doing a 40-minute sure. workout was harder than sure. the 50K. Um, after the race, like I said, my, my knees were, were blown up pretty bad from the downhill portion. And it, the downhill portion was actually on the road mm-hmm. coming down from the clay furnace. Um, I just sat in the parking lot, and I immediately iced my knees, my uh, quads, my hamstrings, and my calves. And I just sat there with a couple 20-pound bags of ice, and two of my friends showed up afterwards to help me out. Um, we sat there for a while. I went home. I ate two large pizzas from Domino's. I used a massage gun for about an hour on my quads and my calves. And then I used a power dot on my knees, which a power dot is like a tens unit. Um, it's, it's just, uh, it, it uses Bluetooth through your phone. Uh, I used that. The next day, I made sure not to lay around. I, I got up. I walked. Uh, I did some stuff. And then, like I said, by Wednesday, I was back to squatting moderately heavy for myself so <clears throat> very cool um and um I, I think i think it's interesting <clears throat> you noted that your knees hurt from the downhill portions <clears throat> uh, a lot of people don't <clears throat> realize this about running uh it's the uh deceleration is um a lot of the time what causes a lot of the the issues with running like knee pain and things like that um and anytime you're going downhill <clears throat> most of the time you have to decelerate um because you can go faster than you normally would if you're not trying to decelerate. That can get out of hand pretty quickly. Um, <clears throat> so you'll, you'll find a lot of people, especially uh, like not uh, an, an instantaneous injury. Like, like you could obviously blow a hamstring or a quad off the takeoff during the acceleration. But anything that's going to be like, uh, you know, like a constant kind of beating on the knee, it's going to be caused by that deceleration. And um, it's very important to note that, and that's why it's important to do a lot of hamstring work because anytime you're running more than, let's say, 100 or 200 meters, there's going to be a lot of deceleration um, just because you can't go at max speed, um, and that's what's going to beat you up. So I think it's very important to hammer those hamstrings uh, in your training if you're going to be running anything more than, than sprints. Yeah, and that's why we did a lot of the glute ham raises and just – also, I use the Echo Bike a lot too. It's um, it's like a fan bike um, made by Rogue, and we use that a ton for conditioning. So, you know, if you guys aren't already using Mauser for your programming, uh, you might be an idiot. So, <laughs> I think the uh, the Echo Bike is great um, for several reasons because you don't have to get one. <clears throat> First of all, the Echo Bike's probably and, and I've been on a lot of uh, these kind of equipment, you know, is, is the hardest version of any kind of sit-down cardio piece of equipment. I mean, it's almost not even really uh, cardio, in my opinion. It's hard enough to where you, there's muscular action. Not a lot, but but more so than any other uh, sit-down cardio equipment. Yeah, so um, one of my most, – most of my workouts were Tabatas on, on, the, on the bike – uh, well, I think I think you programmed them in uh, twice a week, but yeah. if you guys have never tried a Tabata or just a reverse Tabata, so ten seconds on, twenty seconds off on one of these bikes. Now, this is one thing the Mauser and I talk about is when you get on this bike, don't sit there and pedal and have a conversation with your partner sitting across the room. Pedal like you're trying to black out because it's only twenty seconds and you're going to be off that bike in four minutes, and then just suffer the consequences afterwards but you will have a much better workout inside of that four minutes than you will have in 
run for an hour. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's true. And the the bike um, is a good way to condition uh, your heart rate for the running, um, and without beating your joints to death. Like a lot of people get it in their head, like, oh, I have to run X amount of miles per week in order to make it through this uh, marathon, half marathon, 50k, whatever it is, <clears throat> without any uh, forethought into well, can my joints handle that many miles per week? Sometimes, especially if you're older or if you're heavy, like in my case, there's no way I'm running 20 miles a week to, to get to lead into a 50 K. By the time I got there, I'd already be beat, you know? Yeah. That was, that was a, a lot of the, the comments I got leading up to it was your joints aren't going to be able to handle it. You're, you're going to break your feet. You're going to have stress fractures, just all you're going to hit a wall. Um, maybe that wall does exist. But I, I never felt it, so I don't know. I did it. You know, a lot of people told me I couldn't do it, and then a lot of people afterwards came up to me and they were like, "Hey, man, good job. Uh, I really thought you were going to fail at that one." So, <clears throat> yeah. Um, I mean, some people think it's, it's maybe it seems like an impossible uh, feat or something, but um, you know, it's not right. I, I don't think that the first guy that ran uh, the marathon, you know, when he ran to warn the, the, his people of this impending doom, right? Um, something tells me he wasn't training for that event. Well, so this, this is why I think running is probably the easiest thing you can possibly do. It's because all you have to do is put one foot in front of the other, and you just have to keep moving forward. You know, but if I load up a bar with 500 pounds and I say, "Hey, put this over your head." Uh, it's not that easy. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. And obviously at the top end of running, you know, things get difficult because because they're all so good at this thing that's that's easy. But um, again, at, at an entry level or even an intermediate, like a local level, it doesn't take uh, much to, to, to go and just, just survive it. And, that, and that, was, that was the only goal I had was to finish the 50K and under the nine-hour time cap. So... You know, people will say, well, nine hours, I could do that. You probably can't, to be honest. But um, <laughs> but you didn't. They didn't. They, no, they, right. they didn't. And they'll say, well, I could do it, but I don't want to because I don't like it. I didn't like it either. Um, most people, I think, don't have the, the mental capacity to just go out there and do something like that. Right. Um, I wish everyone did, though, because it would make the world a lot easier. But... Um, where, where were we going with this? Um, <clears throat> just, uh, the, 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 the difficult, well, the, the perceived difficulty. Oh, uh, I was going to say, so my goal was to finish an under the nine hour time cap. I, I wore an Apple watch and I had a pacer set. So I finished in eight hours and 55 minutes. The guy who won the 50 K, I think he was right around like four hours. Yeah. So if that gives you an idea, I wasn't out there trying to kill myself because, I wanted to squat heavy by Wednesday was, right. was my ultimate goal. Because <clears throat> um, I had another competition in two weeks after the 50K. Right. And that was the Appalachian Team Championships uh, Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. Um, this was the first, your first uh, strongman competition. And actually it's the first strongman competition for a lot of people. Um, can you uh, tell us about that experience? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Mauser just texted me and he said, hey, I need a person for a strongman competition. Will you do it? And I said, yeah, because 
why why not? Like, what's the worst that happens? Um, so I was on the Legions of Mayhem team. I think it was our team name. Yeah. Um, it was a somewhat uh, hybrid um, Viking performance team. There was a, a few members from Viking performance. I think almost everybody was from West Virginia. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of fun. So the week of the competition, I blew my back out. I don't remember how I blew my back out, but I remember it was extremely painful. Uh, I just showed up. I wore my belt for the entire competition, so it kind of held me together. Uh, the most, I don't think, I, I did do the deadlift event, but it was, it was, um, what was that deadlift called? It was on those giant wheels. It was a wagon wheel deadlift. Yeah, so. But uh, I think we were on a platform, so it was still standard height, I think. Um, Maybe I'm wrong. No, it, it sat pretty hot. So, for you guys that don't know, <clears> I'm only like 5'7", so. It was it was like a quarter of a deadlift for me. It, it wasn't anything crazy. Okay, maybe it was eighteen or fifteen um, inches. So so really, I wasn't I wasn't doing anything too crazy to where I was going to blow my back out. But my point is, I didn't pull out of the competition. I still showed up. I gave my best, and you know our our team. I think we played six out of fifteen teams. Yeah. So we did fairly well for a lot of us. It was our first competition. Yeah, I think there was at least two of you where it was your first competition. And then I know one guy, it was his um, second competition. Uh, and it had been like a year since he had... It was probably his first know. team competition. <clears throat> yeah, and out there's probably almost everybody on your team's first team competition, yeah. except for maybe two people. Um, so it was a, a kind of a, a ragtag uh, team of people that were kind of thrown together <clears throat> for sure. Um, if you're not familiar with teams... It's the Appalachian Team Championship, so it's a regional uh, <clears throat> championship that's held in Fairmont, West Virginia at the uh, Three Rivers Festival. Teams consist of four to six members, um, and then you have to have a lightweight male, a middleweight male, a heavyweight male, and one female, and then you can have two people of any, whatever you want, um, extras if you need them. And then there's five events, or maybe there's six events this year, six events. So they, and the tug of war didn't happen because of rain. Oh, yeah, so there were six events <clears throat> scheduled, but we had a torrential downpour and the tug-of-war got canceled. But technically on the books, there were six events, and in any particular event, you have to have four members of your team are involved in some way, shape, or form. So it's a really cool, it's a fun competition, and it's uh, one of the only team competitions like that in, in the country, so it's a really good time. And it's a legit championship. A lot of people don't realize that. <clears throat> yeah. So that was, a, that was cool. That was a good time. Um, yeah, went in, blown out back, still signed up. A lot of people would have dropped out of that, um, <clears throat> and, and you did not, so uh, good on you for that. Um, made it through the competition, placed higher than middle of the pack, and uh, and then you went on to the CrossFit Coal Clash uh, two weeks later? No, I think that one was, was a couple months was later. Was it a few months That's, later? Okay. Um, so the, the 50K happened in April. Burton Games was in April. Appalachian team championship was in may so uh you know we're we're getting to the good stuff guys uh uh coal clash was held in beckley at crossfit coal um i did that competition with my good friend john barry um it was john's first crossfit competition in the rx division he was the oldest guy in the rx division um so <clears throat> how old is john barry Do you remember uh, roughly 39 okay so 
that guy, um, he just like lives in that pain cave of, if you guys have, have ever done a CrossFit workout, so you know there's, there's weightlifting, and then there's gymnastic movements, and then there's this metabolic conditioning portion. Um, if you give John Barry something that's like a moderate weight, and you say, hey, just do this for like two hours, he'll sit there and do it for two hours. So that, that dude is a freak when it comes to doing like a rower or a wall ball or something like that. Um, Cold Clash, the the programming for it was very difficult for, I've only been doing CrossFit about a year now. Um, you know, I, I've been a Mauser athlete for a while, but CrossFit is a little bit different. So we adjust my programming when it comes to this stuff, but um, Cold Clash, and I did the RX division as well. We didn't do scaled. A lot of the weights were heavy for me at that time. Uh, so we ended up, we, we placed last. But we uh, we still had a good time. It was a good learning experience. Um, now, was then, that run like the Burden Games as well? So it was <clears throat> same gender teams, three events, and all that. How, how was that competition yeah, around? Yeah, it was um, same gender teams. Uh, we were guaranteed at least three workouts, and then uh, top three teams moved on to the fourth workout. Okay. Top two teams moved on to the, the fifth workout. And um, uh, Jeff, GOC, the owner of CrossFit Morgantown, him and his partner, they won the Masters division. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So, But that wasn't the only competition John Barry and I have done together this year. So. Cool. Uh, so, <clears throat> and how did your back hold up in the cool clash? Um, my back, we, we had fixed it by that time, so it, it held up pretty well um i didn't i don't i'm trying to think of what we had like a 275 deadlift so that that was the most i had yeah for five reps it, i was able to do that unbroken it wasn't an issue um so yeah so then we moved on from the cold clash to another crossfit competition uh that was the festivus games um, i don't even remember where that one was held that was held at the uh That was held at CrossFit Intense in Fairmont. Um, I would not recommend going there. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, so the month of September, I did. There were five weekends. I did a competition four out of those five weekends, uh, and I, I, I don't remember how it started. Um, but the I think the Festivus Games was the first competition of that that weekend. So the way the Festivus Games works. Is it is a competition held uh, across the country in multiple gyms. We all do the same workouts, and we submit to this. It's kind of like the Open, but um, it's for novice and intermediate teams. So John Barry and I signed up for that one again together. Well, John Barry and I did not sign up for that together. I had signed up with someone else, and they uh, dropped out very last minute, and John Barry said, I don't care. I'll do it with you. So he jumped in, and we ended up getting third in that competition. Very cool. Now, was this this was a team event as well? Was it run like the Burden Games and the Cold Clash? Yeah, it might have it might have been more difficult because going into it, we knew how to, we had a good chance of placing. Mm -hmm. So um, we pushed it pretty hard. Um, I think John Barry might have broke the rower with as many calories as he got in the one workout. Um, <laughs> we, we beat the second-place team by, like, 30 calories inside of a 10-minute workout. And this was the open division, right, or RX division? Yes, yeah, so they didn't have RX. They did they, The way they did it was you had a novice and an intermediate division. Oh, well, yeah. It was 
they had a, a list of guidelines. So if you fell inside these guidelines, you could sign up for that competition. And they, they said, you know, if you do like, if you're five out of 10 of these, you can do it. And mm -hmm. I was five out of 10 of them. So we, we yeah. signed up for it. Um, and um, was this also three workouts and then you, you moved on and moved on? No, it was four workouts. It was three workouts, but one workout was broken into two parts and it was um, get two different scores for it. Yeah. So uh, it was four scores, but three three workouts, and it was just okay. three workouts, and you're done. Then you podiumed there. Yeah. <clears throat> Very cool. Uh, and with a last minute um, partner change, mind you. Yeah, but that and the, the back held up there, right? Back was good. Yeah, my back yeah. held up, held up pretty good there. I'm trying to. I can't remember if Festus Games was before or after West Virginia's fittest. That I don't remember, but. Um, I think it was after. Okay. I think, I think West Virginia's fit has started September. Okay. So I guess we're, we're backtracking a couple weeks now. Um, I competed in Paul Mauser's first uh, metabolic conditioning event. You can't use the name CrossFit if it's not CrossFit. Um, not a lot of people would sign up for it because Paul did all blind events, which I appreciate. Uh, the first workout of the event was death by sled push pull. So he loaded up a sled. I think it had uh, three forty fives on each side. Okay. And four minutes, you just push it down, pull it back, push it down, pull it back. Um, I got second in that event. Moving on to the next event was you had, I think we had ten minutes to find a max ground to overhead anyhow and a max deadlift and your score was your total weight combined yeah and um i tied for the max ground to overhead um i did clean and jerks and then for the deadlift i ended up um uh, blowing my back out on the deadlift with a pr yeah and i i i blew it out about halfway through the pool i felt it pop and I just kept going, and once I dropped it, my, my back and my hamstrings immediately locked up to the point where I had a hard time walking across the gym to find a band to try, try to stretch. And I was doing everything to try to get ready for this next event. Um, going into the next event, uh, it was called the Five Layer Burrito. It started out with overhead squats. I managed to get through those, and then when I went to kick up into a handstand walk, I just collapsed like I couldn't do that event um, the fourth event was was a test of a uh, stone throw uh, keg overhead toss and broad jump and I was able to you know hold my own and I was still able to get second in the open division of West Virginia's fittest with a with a blind out back <clears throat> very cool not the back part, but the second place finish. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, that's tough. Uh, so, so the back thing came back um, to kind of to kind of plague you there, but um, that was on a uh, a PR max effort deadlift. You know, those things can happen. Yeah, I think the way my schedule worked was I did West Virginia's fittest, and then I had a week off, and then I did a Tough Mudder in Pittsburgh, which was uh, I think it was nine mm -hmm. miles this year. So we, I did that, and then the week after, I did the Festivus Games. 
and then the week after the Festivus Games was uh, Strongest in the Forest. <clears throat> okay, which is my favorite competition um, anywhere ever. Uh, so we traveled Elkins, West Virginia for Strongest Man in the Forest, and this <clears throat> is your second strongman competition, but your first solo strongman competition. So <clears throat> this is the first one where you're going to be doing all five events um, by yourself. Yeah, and the, the way that one worked out um, was someone said they, they couldn't do it, and I said, okay, well, I'll jump in. Uh, you know, I don't care what the, what the competition is, I'll just do it. Um, going into it, I put on some weight this year, trying, trying to get stronger. Um, so I was walking around about 186, 187. Uh, so I had to cut to 175. Um, that was the hardest part of the whole competition was cutting 11 pounds the day before. Uh, so again, I used Mauser. He told me how to cut the weight. Um, it was, it was simple as far as cutting the weight, but, um, Mentally, it's just exhausting to, to sit there for 24 hours. You can't eat. You can't drink. Uh, I've talked to some of my jiu-jitsu friends afterwards on how they cut weight, and they say, oh, well, did you have any ice cubes or anything? And I was like, no, I didn't have any ice cubes. I just literally suffered. So to, uh, at one point the night before, I was still, I think, like eight pounds over, and I texted Mauser, and I said, hey, I need to do something. He said, well, you can either get on the rower and row, or you can get in this hot bath. I said, okay. So I went down and I did the row for about 20 minutes. And I said, no, I'm not doing this anymore. So we did the hot bath. And it turned into, Mauser said, if you're going to do the hot bath, uh, send me your address. And if you don't respond, I'm going to come down. I'm going to kick down your door. I'm going to make sure you're still alive. <laughs> because if you guys have never done a hot bath to cut weight, it's just what you're doing is you're, you're laying in hot water. So it's 100% humidity. And your body's just pulling that sweat away. And you do, I think I did five minutes in the tub. Uh, what did I do? It was 20. Was it 20? 20 minutes? I don't remember. I think I think it was 15 oh. minutes in the tub. And the way I did it was like I would slowly lower myself in for the first five minutes. And then lay there for 10. And then I would get out and I would lay on some towels and use some ice um, to cool myself down. But my heart rate was sitting at 140 for this whole time. And... I don't think that that was good, but I think I had to do like six hot baths. And then um, when I woke up the next day, I still had like two pounds to go. So I just drove to Elkins with the heat on in my Jeep. And uh, I got there. I was like a pound below what I had to weigh in at. Uh, rehydrated after I weighed in. I had three hours before the first event. I think I did the first event at 184 was my was my walking around weight. Very cool. And then the competition starts that same day weigh-in, or same day weigh-in. So you weigh in at like 8 a.m. and then you, we started at like noon or something. So you had about three, four hours to uh, to kick it in gear, get back ready. Um, yeah, and then we opened up with, uh, well, there were different groups. My group opened up with the uh, the log uh, press. Uh, we I opened up with steel bending. Uh, I got second in that, that uh, event. It, it was most people couldn't bend the second piece of rebar so the first piece of rebar came down to I didn't realize you could have that rebar in your hand when you started so I'm standing there like an idiot looking around like oh what's everyone doing and then Paul says go and I, I bend it as fast like 
I think it was like six seconds for that piece, but the other guy bent in three because he already had it in his hand. Um, <clears throat> that event, so I got second in that event, and then going on to the log press, uh, I have a lot of shoulder issues. From oh, this uh, is a max log as well. Yeah, with that 13-inch log, that thing is massive. Um, I got second in that event, I was able to press the, the log with no weight on it, which only one other person in my weight class could do. So I ended up a second on that event. Uh, my third event was the truck pull, and this is where the momentum changed. So going into it, I was two points behind first. Um, I won the truck pull in my division, and the guy that was winning our division got last. Now, to my knowledge, you've never done a truck pull. No. Okay. No, it was five minutes before the truck pull. It was me saying, hey, Mauser, how do I do this? Which <laughs> was basically the whole day. Um, you know, I would practiced steel bending with Mauser for a half hour the weekend before. I never picked up a stone until we practiced stones the week before. Um, I straight up, we did like a half hour of stones, and that was it. Um, we do we do a lot of like wagon the the carry which was the fourth event the wagon carry, um, yeah we we do carries year round um, well depending where you're training at yeah. but year round because carries are just like uh, it's necessary yeah um, so. so then the fourth event was the wagon carry uh, oh this is more of a push that. W- it's even hard to describe this thing. But, it's like a yeah. giant uh, wheelbarrow, basically. So it's like a carry, but you also have to push it. It's basically it's on it's on a like an eight by eleven trailer, and then Paul Mauser loads it up with a bunch of weight to where. And the first part of the push, what is it? The first what do you say? Fifteen feet is uphill. Yeah, about fifteen. So a lot of people are just struggling to get it past that first hill, and uh, when I took off. I just took off, and I'd say I'm not setting it down until I'm done. Um, the way the the competition worked was I was in the is it open? Is that what they call it for the open lightweight men? So I was in the open lightweight men. All the novice and um, all the weight classes above lightweight, all those novice classes were grouped into my group, so they used the same weight. So I think I had the fastest push out of all those weight classes for the novice as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think I pushed. You finished the, the course. Yeah, I did in like twenty seconds. Yeah, a lot of people didn't finish the course. Yeah. Um. So then that made it to where all I had to do in the last event was knock it last, and I and I, I won. Um, going into the last event, I had picked up a hundred and seventy-five pound stone the weekend before just to practice, and uh, going into it. So I, I got the way the way it worked was there was a light stone and a heavy stone. The he, lightweight stone was two or one seventy five. Heavy stone was two hundred. Um, if you only pick up the one seventy five stone, and the other person picks up the two hundred, you automatically get less than them, like right. regardless of how many reps there are. So I picked up. I did the the heavy stone for one rep, and I got four on the light stone. Um, that was enough for me to win because none of the other people in my weight class could pick up the the heavy stone. So I, I won. I got strongest in the forest, lightweight, in my first strongman competition as an individual. Um, and without what some people would call training for it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I train, but... Uh, <laughs> right, right. Well, I know that and you know that, but, you know. Um, <clears throat> so then, um, after uh, Strongest in the Forest, uh, there may have been some running. I'm not sure. Was there any other races in there? Uh, I did a 5K in Morgantown. I got first in my age class, or age division. Um I did a 10k back in June, just some some smaller runs here and there. And um, and then we led into uh, present time. Five weeks ago, the open started. Yeah, the open started the week after. Strongest in the forest. Yeah. So. So then we went uh, right into that, and um, I don't know where you're sitting, but today was, well, Thursday they released the last workout you did yours yesterday um you may or may not redo that on monday uh but tell us about the four that we know where you scored and all that okay so the way the crossfit open works it's a five week long competition where the workouts are released on thursday and you have until monday at eight to uh release it if you guys hear something in the background it's a industrial fan kicked on in the gym yeah uh so with these workouts you can repeat you can uh do them as many times as you like but you just have to submit your score by monday at 8 p.m so for every workout i do it on thir on uh friday nights going in with some type of idea that i'm some type of super athlete and then i am humbly reminded that i am not so <laughs> i i repeat on monday and i've done better on every workout that i've uh, repeated this year i've repeated all of them so then I'll repeat the next one. Um, starting out, the the first two workouts were a lot of conditioning stuff. Uh, I didn't I didn't do so well on those. I still placed around like the 70th percentile for the world. Uh, but once we got to week three and four, when we started seeing heavier implements, was when it started to pick up for me. So. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what all the workouts are. Uh, we had <clears throat> I think week three was deadlifts and handstand push-ups. Yes. Which a lot of people struggle. the the deadlift, The deadlift was 225. It wasn't it wasn't heavy. Um, it was the handstand push-ups that everyone struggled with. So that might be my best scoring workout. What was last week's workout? Oh man, uh, last week was uh, the box jumps with the. Um, uh, the, the the actual clean and press, not the ground overhead. Yeah, so with that one, I uh, I repeated it as well because the way these work, they also have tie break times in them. So last week's was uh, a progression where uh, you did 30 box jumps, 15, 15. 15 cleans with 95 pounds, clean and press. And then 30 box jumps, 15 cleans with 135 pounds. And yep. then... Uh, 30 box jumps, 10 clean and press at 185. And so I was pacing too much on Friday to where I wanted to get to that 225 bar. To where, uh, so after the 185 clean, you have to do 30 pistols, which are single leg squats, and then a 225 bar for 10 reps. Uh, I paced it too much to where I only had a minute left to try to get one clean and jerk at 225 after doing pistols uh, if you guys have never done pistols before they just suck the life out of you so when i repeated it 
I didn't I didn't care about the tie break time. I was just trying to go as fast as possible to get to where I had enough time for that 225 bar. So I ended up I had three minutes at my or four minutes at my tie break time. I ended up getting three clean and jerks at 225, um, which a lot of people in the CrossFit world struggle with. 225 is heavy, especially after you've done 90 box jumps and 30 pistols and all the other barbell work beforehand. Um, and then we just did week five. Week five was 40 muscle ups, 80 wall or 80 calories on the rower, 20 120 wall balls, and you can do that anyhow. You just have a max time cap of 20 minutes. So this past Friday, um, I got nine muscle ups. I will repeat on Monday, and the hope is just to get more muscle ups because the muscle ups are, are the the maker of this workout. It's it's basically how many muscle ups you get because as long as you're you, you plan it accordingly, you're, you're going to finish the, the calories and, and the wall balls if, if you're a, a typical CrossFitter. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, I get a lot of questions um, about the Open. Uh, I'm just going to elaborate a little bit more. So the Open is uh, worldwide, and you sign up, and, and there are some divisions, but there's no weight classes. And <clears throat> um, you can submit your score uh, one of two ways, basically. Um, you can go to a CrossFit affiliate uh, box and have an official judge um, score you. And then they have like this sheet and they write down the scores. And then you can submit the scores either on CrossFit.com or you can use the CrossFit Games app. The app is faster, um, in my opinion. And the, or you can film your workout. Um, and then you have two options there. You can either upload it to uh, like Vimeo or YouTube or some sort of hosting site. And then you share that link onto the app or the website. Um, or you can download it as an MOV file and share that link to the app or the website. Um, but there's a lot of standards for that. You can't just go and film this thing and then send it in. Like you have to have a running clock present. Um, you have to film all the weights and stuff like that. So you definitely want to look at the rules before you do that. Um, it's just a lot easier if you go and have a judge do it, in my opinion. Um, although, you can still film it then, too. That's not a bad idea, either. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if, if you're top 40 in the world, you have to submit your videos regardless. And uh, I think if, if you do CrossFit or if you have any interest in doing CrossFit, doing the CrossFit Open is really important. So... Uh, the way it worked this year, because the the, cross, the way the CrossFit Games are working, they're they're kind of switching up the way they do stuff. So usually the CrossFit Open is in February. Well, um, the way qualifiers go now for the for the games, it's switched to the Open is now in October. So this year we had two Open seasons, and I'm hoping that it kind of evens out by next year. But a lot of people did not sign up this go around because they either felt like they already did the Open in February, or they only did the Open because they wanted to qualify for Regionals, and now Regionals is gone, so they don't want to do it. That's not what CrossFit is supposed to be about. Um, you need to just sign up for the Open. It's 20 bucks. It, it goes to CrossFit HQ, who are constantly going after these big companies that are creating these products that cause all these diseases. So... Uh, it goes to a good cause, and if you have any interest in doing it, it's a lot of fun. So hopefully, you sign up next year. Yeah, and <clears throat> the money from the open um, 
it, like you said, it goes to CrossFit HQ. CrossFit um, is constantly uh, battling um, not just companies, but but piss poor research and, and giving. And they give out um, if you go to CrossFit.com and you scroll through um, the workouts in between the workouts. There will not all the time, but pretty often there will be um, articles and free information put out um, where it, it's either, hey, we found this new thing and this is like, you know, we, we knew about this for years and this is like, you know, research headed in, in, in our direction. Or, hey, here's some piss poor research and this is why this is not good and sucks and you shouldn't pay attention to this. I think that's important. It's free. Um, if you're going to, you know, 20 bucks to do the, uh, the open and look at it like, you know, that's paying for this information. And then they have the, uh, the CrossFit journal, which is full of even more information. I don't remember that used to be uh, really cheap. I don't know what it is now. I'm assuming it's still fairly affordable. Well, you can still sign up for a free news article a day. So like I, I get those emails every day. I don't necessarily read them all, but like you said, they send out the workout of the day and then there's usually an article underneath that. And then I think the CrossFit journal is $7 a month. Yes, that's actually cheaper than it was when, when I was signed up for it years ago. Um, so, yeah, and, and the CrossFit Journal, in my opinion, if especially – I wasn't even doing CrossFit and I was reading the journal. Um, if you're doing it, it's it's worth more than that. So it doesn't – you know, pay, send them $20. It's not a big deal. And then you can compare yourself um, to everybody in the world – and everybody in the United States on on the app, it'll show you your your placing. Yeah, and you can you can look at your old open like how how you, how you did in the last open. So for me, I've I've improved. So the, the way they, they have it is they have um, you can see your placings or you can see your percentile. So with the last open, I think I sat in like the sixty eighth percentile after the open was done and over with. This year, uh, I'm sitting around 75th to 80, somewhere somewhere around in there. I think I'm like 77 percentile. So I, I've improved quite a bit. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard when you're working out with the same people every day to see yourself getting better. But whenever you do sign up for something like this and you can see how you're doing across the world and across the country, and you can see that you are getting better, it just adds more motivation to, to, to keep going. Yeah, I I try to tell people this in um, strongman and powerlifting or whatever who whatever I'm training people for. <clears throat> Sometimes, like your deadlift may not go up for a, a period of time, right? And P, I get people, oh my deadlift's not going up, blah blah blah, or oh my log press and this and that, <clears throat> and but but those are only two measures of whether you're getting better. You know, it's just like when you're trying to lose weight and you're only looking at the scale. That that's a bad mentality to have. That's that's a poor poor planning. It's also poor planning to base everything around your log press and your deadlift, or to base everything around. Oh well, I had did terrible on a wad today. It's much more. It's much more telling if you can do five weeks worth of competition, and say, well, man, I placed like ten percent higher in the world than I did last year, or five percent, even one percent. That's a much better measure of your uh, your overall uh, gains or, or performance or whatever advancement, uh, in my opinion. And, and then, of course, you can look at those other things too. But you need you need multiple things to look at, especially the longer you've been training, because it's harder to get those gains. Especially with how how broad CrossFit's programming can be. So, um, 
I think you had mentioned a statistic before that said movements show up every 21 days. Something like that, yeah. So, so how can you, you know, a typical person, if you're, if you're doing like uh, powerlifting or something, you're probably squatting once or twice a week. You're right. benching once a week, deadlifting once a week. If you're only seeing those movements every three weeks, then it's probably common for them not to, to go up fast. So it, it's hard to measure your success on, on one thing when CrossFit is so, so broad, you know. Um, yeah, and it's also you can see, uh, I don't want to call it fake results, but <clears throat> if you run into something where something does show up more than every three weeks, mm-hmm. well, now you gain uh, neurological proficiency because of the frequency with which you're doing this activity. So then it may seem like these gains were there, but then you may not do it again for 21 days, and then you're going to lose that neurological factor. Um so you have to consider that. And CrossFit, of all the strength sports out there, um, I think relies the least on neurological uh, factors and benefits. You know, it's kind of like it's general overall fitness, whether or not you were training for it or not, right? Whereas, like, powerlifting or something along those lines, like, you have to have a certain amount of uh, neurological and technical proficiency to, to pull off this stuff. Yeah, so, you know, the whole idea behind CrossFit was there, there's 10 general skills that you, you should be efficient in every one of those skills. So, you know, if you're a power lifter, you're only going to be efficient in three or four of those skills. You're not, you're not going to have the, the, um, stamina or I can't remember all the 10 skills at this time, but, um, that, that's kind of the way CrossFit works. So they, they say like, you're not going to have a 500 pound back squat and you're not going to run a, a four minute mile like that's not going to happen in crossfit but that will get you the closest to both of those uh if you want to be a specialist and there's there's videos of greg glassman talking about that he can send you to those people he, he talks about it in those videos he's like if you want to back squat 500 pounds i'll send you to this guy if you want to run a four minute mile i'll send you to this guy but this, these videos were back in 2014, and now we're getting to the point where you got people like Matt Fraser who are back squatting 500 pounds and running five minute miles. Like it, it's happening with these. Now, of course, they're they're putting in an insane amount of time as far as like recovery, nutrition, the actual workouts, practicing skills, and all that stuff. The typical person isn't going to do that, but um, overall, I think CrossFit's kind of the best way to do that if you're not competing for anything. Yeah, well, it's at the end of the day, it's general physical preparedness. You know, Louis Simmons talks about this. Any any top-tier strongman and, and whatever, they talk about this as well. It's just what it is. It's uh, it's general physical preparedness. And, and I think CrossFit used to have a, like a pyramid um, drawn up. And, uh, and like, I think maybe Westside Barbell has one as well. And general physical preparedness is the base of the pyramid and then you your specialty stuff kind of is at the, yeah. the top tiers of the pyramid and um a lot of people fail to do this and um you know all these things are much more related than what people you know think uh crossfit strongman powerlifting they're all pretty similar um, if you're doing it right you know right. like people that are training for crossfit and are winning are doing 
uh, essentially powerlifting. They have heavy squat days. They have heavy deadlift days. They, they're doing that because it's going to make them better. And a good powerlifter is doing some sort of Metcons. Now, they may not look like CrossFit, but they're doing, you know, Louis Simmons would have people push a sled around the entire gym, you know, for 20 minutes or whatever to build up a certain yeah. amount of endurance because that, that's required for recovery. And, um, and, and you can see, uh, you know, a good example, they had a lot of pro uh, uh, strength athletes, powerlifters, and strongmen do the Titan Games. Now, they did a piss-poor job of, of pointing that out because they wanted these people to seem like normal people. But if you actually knew who they were, like a lot of the uh, women that won were um, powerlifters and strongmen. And, of course, Anthony Furman was on there. And they did exceptionally well in these events, even though it was nothing that they were training for, because they had a great general physical preparedness. Um, so that's necessary. And like you said, if you're, if you're not interested in specializing in any one thing, you should probably specialize in general physical preparedness, which is fitness. Yeah. Um, so after all those competitions, uh, I went off to do the CrossFit Level 1. Uh, that is the first requirement in starting your own affiliate. Uh, stay tuned for that kind of stuff. The, the level one is a two-day course. It is, uh, I went to Rogue to do it. They have five CrossFit trainers come in who are either level three or, or higher. Um, and the way the course works is you, you sit through a bunch of lectures and then you do a workout. And then you sit through some more lectures and then the next day you sit through some lectures, you do a workout. And then you break into groups and you, know, you practice these these nine basic movements that, that CrossFit says you, you should generally be able to do to do the basic stuff you do in everyday life. So um, like an air squat, you should be able to air squat pretty easy. Um, being able to press, so lifting stuff over your head and deadlift, being able to pick stuff up, pick stuff up off the ground, and then there's progressions for those three movements. Uh, so we broke into groups and went over that stuff, and then we had progressions on the pull-up, the muscle-up, um, the snatch, um, forgetting the, uh, and the thruster. Um, these are just basic movements that you need for, for everyday life. Uh, then at the end of the second day, you have to take a written test, which is 55 questions, and it's probably the hardest written test I've ever taken just because it's one of those things where it's it's not what's the right answer it's what's the best answer right what, what's the right way of explaining this stuff which I, I agree with to a point you know you don't want someone running a gym and running a class and they don't know what the best answer is right you know and they're, they're doing it half-assed so uh, I learned a lot at that level one so going into it I think I probably had the same mindset as a lot of people in cross or not in CrossFit, but across the country who don't do CrossFit, where it's just these crazy people who do these crazy pull-ups and they look like idiots, and <laughs> you know. Um, but the reason I signed up was because I want to help change people's lives, and I think CrossFit is the best way to do it. So going into this, uh, I kind of had that mindset of like, do do real pull-ups. But 
That's that's the best way to explain it. Uh, after sitting through it, I realized the workouts are maybe half of what CrossFit really is. So if you have a chance, the Level 1 Trainer's Guide is actually free on CrossFit.com. You can download it and look through it. Uh, CrossFit is these these high-intensity workouts, but on top of that, it's also the nutrition part of it, the sleep part of it, and just your daily lifestyle. Uh, so after sitting through the two days, and I, I stuck around on the first day for about an hour and talked to some of the trainers, uh, I realized CrossFit is not just the workouts, it's, it's this whole lifestyle. And, you know, a lot of people don't talk about that kind of stuff when, when they're, they're doing strength and conditioning or, or some other type of exercise is you know they don't they don't discuss nutrition or sleep crossfit covers all of that and, and if you're going to a good crossfit gym they'll discuss that so you know jeff giosi at crossfit morgantown he does a free nutrition talk every every month i don't which know is also <clears throat> live streamed yeah it's, it's live streamed uh I think on their Facebook page. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's just the um, <clears throat> that kind of stuff is really important. You know, I think that that's what keeps people coming. And um, one of the statistics they they throw out there is 80% of the chronic diseases that are being treated today are preventable by having a proper diet and exercising. But we run into the problem where so many people just want a magic pill. And that's how they want to fix it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you see that all the time. Well, let's let's stop that. You know, why why don't you want to take take control of your life, take control of your diet, take control of your your general physical preparedness, and just fix yourself. It, it doesn't take long. I have a coworker. Um, he started working out with me in February. He's lost 50 pounds, and he said he hasn't felt this good since he was in his 20s. He's, he's 43 now. Uh, he, he loves life, and he, you know, he's running three miles, a di- uh, three miles three times a week with a 10-pound weight vest. And then on the other three days, he does CrossFit-like workouts in my, in my garage with me. Um, that kind of stuff is, is what CrossFit does, and, that, that, and that's what I want to do. So... Uh, we're, we're very close to opening an affiliate and an undisclosed location at this time. <laughs> in uh, parts unknown, West Virginia. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, if, like he said, the, the manual, there's a free manual. You can download that. Um, the the journal is only $7 uh, a month. There's a lot of information. I mean, I was getting the journal back in like 2008. I mean, there's got to be so much information in there now that you probably couldn't dig through it all. Well, it started uh, 2001 is when CrossFit.com posted their first workout. So, and there, so there are thousands of workouts you can yeah. go on there. Um, <clears throat> Very cool stuff. Uh, yeah. So, what's what's next uh, competition wise? Then, um, do you have anything lined up now that the open? Well, I guess your last workout will be Monday, but <clears throat> yeah, I'll repeat on Monday. Um, I don't have any other competitions scheduled, so the 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 main thing we're working on now is opening this CrossFit affiliate. Um, 
I'm close. There is a lot of stuff that goes into it. Um, but just keep looking out for that information. Uh, in the meantime, I'm still teaching jujitsu at Ground Zero Fighting Systems on Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, I have spoke with Jeff Giosi of CrossFit Morgantown, and I'm going to be shadowing those guys on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4 and 5. So I'll be up here as well. Um, that's about it. Yeah, so we'll keep you um, posted, uh, listeners posted on, um, you know, that affiliate opening. Um, look for, uh, you know, Mauser Strength Dynamics Facebook page. We'll post that when it happens. Um, you'll hear me talk about it. It's going to happen. I will keep you up to date on that information, especially if you're in the Fairmont area. Um, look into that. And um, if, if you're not, I'm sure there will be remote uh, coaching as well coming out of there. Um, we'll get into that later on. And when the affiliate opens up, of course, we'll have Devin back on to discuss that. Real quick, let's talk about that first thing we got on that list. Um, so we, we, have a, we had a list of stuff we wanted to talk about. And we actually made this list right after I got done running the, the 50K back in April. We just haven't had time to do the podcast together. Uh, the first thing on my list was when does motivation turn into discipline? So if, uh, if any of you guys have not listened to it yet, when I was on Mauser's, the first time I was on this, this podcast, Get Stronger Die, uh, I kind of talked about some stuff going on in my life where two years ago I started out at 240 pounds and was just kind of in a rut, and I said, Mauser, fix me. And, you know, I had a lot of motivation going into that, but eventually I got to the point where, where I'm the person I am today where I know Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm doing these workouts. I know Tuesday and Thursday, I'm doing jiu-jitsu. Uh, it, it is, it's a discipline factor. On Sundays, I know I'm meal prepping. I get so much shit at work because I eat the same thing for every meal, every day, and that's just the way it's got to be. Um, so you, you have a famous quote about motivation and discipline. I believe it's motivation will abandon you. Discipline won't. If you guys are having a hard time staying disciplined with your workouts or, or just, you know, showing up, find a trainer. Um, John Mauser is probably the best in the world. And get that accountability factor of you have to show up to someone. And that, that's why I think, too, is it's good to show up to a CrossFit affiliate where you're part of a group class and they're expecting you to be there. So that's very important. Yeah, do as many things. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it, it shouldn't be necessary. But do as many things possible to make it easy to where you have to be there. Right. I mean, it started out, it, it was motivation starting out and then it turned into discipline. And now it's just, that's how my life is. Like, there, right. there's, it's not, I'm not thinking about it. I'm not, I don't have to set these these timers or, or alarms in my phone that say, hey, don't forget to meal prep. It's just, that's my life. Right. But it didn't start out like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and it's that way with workouts. You know, I get, <clears throat> um, people say that, you know, how do you work out all the time and, and this and that. And it's, well, it's just, I don't think about it. It's not, 
half the time I show up at the gym and I kind of come to <laughs> like, Oh yeah, I'm at the gym doing this again. You know, it's not, uh, you know, and, and, and there's definitely days where, um, you know, you have to go in and you have to get <clears throat> psyched up for a particular lift, but you're doing it either way, <clears throat> whether yeah. you're psyched up for it or not, you, it's getting done. So, um, you know, you just gotta, it, you know, it comes down to a lot of the time, fake it till you make it start off being motivated and get in there. But during that period of time, before motivation abandons you, you have to start setting it up to where when it does leave, you're, the train's still rolling. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we're about out of time. Uh, do you have any parting uh, words for our, our viewers here real quick before we, we call it quits? Uh, if you guys want, uh, like I said, I'm a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. I teach private lessons on Sundays. You can get a hold of me on social media, Devin Futon, Instagram, Facebook, and look out for the new CrossFit affiliate coming to town. Very cool. Uh, this has been John the Viking Mauser with Devin Futon. Get strong or die.